Oh yeah, we love those janky rhythms.
Mrs. Shadow Circus.
This song is The Journey of Every Man by the band Shadow Circus. We had an excellent thing going there for a few minutes and then it took a detour into your standard country and western genre. I'm going to take this time to thank our greatest supporter and believer, Alfred from Alfred's World of Trousers. If you are in the Crater Des Moines area and are experiencing an existential loss, stop by Alfred's World of Trousers. He has the trouser and the epistemology for you, guaranteed to deliver you. In the greatest desert of angst and uncertainty, the trouser will buck you up and help you face the challenges of the day. Alfred is a mystic when it comes to trousers. He understands the place of trousers in the unity of the cosmos. Stop by and tell him Perkins Warbeck from the Gates of Delirium recommended his trouser to the people. He'll throw in a free lollipop. We're going to continue on with Patrick Moraz and the Intermezzo here on the Gates of Delirium.
We have been listening to a, a band from Norway formed in 1999. The name of the band is Wobbler. They put out five, five albums since 2005. Been keeping the Prague tradition alive. We listen to Imperial Winter White. Before that, we heard Patrick Morath. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. You can watch if you want to. You can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. Mutiny! It's pronounced Mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced Mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say mutiny. Mutiny? Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. 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 Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. Good to see you again. Good to Good do to... this again. Ready to yes. go. Another Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. as we broadcast first on mutinyradio.fm here in San Francisco. Go ahead. Donate to their Patreon. Go ahead. Donate to their Venmo account. Donate. At Venmo is, is at Muni Radio. Uh, you can go to muniradio.fm and you can click and find the Patreon link there. Uh, we are here every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5 p.m. East Coast Time. Oh, there goes my cat. Uh, and we are also a podcast with the acronym LWAFLMOIT, as we mentioned up front. And we're also on YouTube. You can subscribe to YouTube and just get it carte blank. Card blank, blanche, card blanche, separately, but with the with the video setup. Uh, yeah, you don't have to sync up the our yeah. audio to your real YouTube. We did it for you. Check yeah. out W A F L M O I T on YouTube because L W A F L M O I T is let's watch a full length movie on YouTube. So you're gonna listen to our podcast and watch a movie in real time for its entirety right now uh but unless you're watching on the pod if you're watching on youtube carl's already said the movie up easy peasy i handled uh, it yeah we listen if you're listening to the podcast and not watching the movie you're not doing it properly you're That's not right. getting the full experience no nope. absolutely we are parasites and we must harvest off the carcass of uh, actual <laughs> entertainment to <laughs> To, to to call attention to ourselves for two hours a week. <laughs> so we're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We want you to go to YouTube, find the movie, and watch it with us. Carl, what is the movie this week? This week we are watching The Fantastic Four, 1994. The Fantastic uh, Four, 1994. That's what you put in the YouTube search engine. And the channel we like is Actors Filming. 
Actors film. Yeah, it's not cameramen, cameramen acting. It's actors filming is the channel we like. You can tell it's a good movie right now because no director actually filmed this movie. <laughs> All right, so go ahead and type in Fantastic Four 1994. Look for the... Uh, Version hosted by acting actors, actors filming. Filming, yeah, not we acting did. filmers. Well, we, actors. I was going to say this is the second time our show has done it. It's the first time with Carl, and uh, first time since there's more information available about this film. So we're really excited to watch it again. It was on YouTube. Uh, you know, you start off a show called "Let's Watch a Full Length Movie" on YouTube. You go straight to the heavy hitters. You go to the 1994 Fantastic <laughs> Four. I don't know. You look for the Chuck Berry video. You look for everything you could possibly look for. And uh, it was on YouTube, and then it got yanked, and now it's back on. It's been on for a while. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so it's great. We're going to revisit this episode. And I should say, with every bad movie. The joy is experiencing it and talking about it. So if other people have talked about this movie, it's just, what can we say? It's a great, bad movie. It's on YouTube. That's the premise of our show. We like, you know, I read about this <clears throat> infamously, and uh, now I got to see it. So we're going to go ahead and see it. So go to Fantastic Four 1994, find the version from hosted by actors filming, hit pause, move the meter to zero, zero, zero. And at the count of three, when you hear go, press go. Now, you're going to hear go from our special comedian, celebrity, comedian, countdown person who may not even be a comedian and may not even be hosted by Carl. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Countdown, this time with Chris Gore. Sure. Chris Gore. Welcome, Chris. You guys are very enthusiastic. I, I haven't had my morning coffee. So... <laughs> I just put well, a second pot. Today we're watching Fantastic Four, 1994, the Roger Corman mega blockbuster, right? And the reason we've got you on is in the service of Film Threat uh, magazine, you were on set for the entire filming, right? All 21, 25 days, was it? Uh, for most of the shooting, yes. It was around the holidays at the end of the year, but I was there, yeah. Now, that's unusual, really. Is that because it was going to be a cover story you spent so much time? Uh, well, it ended up being a cover story. So I was on the set for filming. And, and yeah, um, the, the reason that they needed to start shooting before the, before the end of the year was because contractually, if they hadn't started shooting a movie before the end of the year, they would, you know, they would have lost the rights to the Fantastic Four, this German company. Yeah, so they were, it was so quick to... This, yeah, this German company hired Roger Corman to just make a Fantastic Four movie that they had no intention of ever releasing. Unbeknownst to everyone working on the movie, yeah, uh, they thought they were making the Fantastic Four movie, and they were super excited. I was excited because the Fantastic Four is, I mean, it's my <laughs> gateway comic book. It's, between that and Batman, it's the, you know, two comic you know, uh, franchises that I love the most. So when I heard they were going to film, I, I said, I want to be there because I had just done a story on a movie called Carnosaur, which was Roger Corman's ripoff of Jurassic Park. So, um, so that would just sort of led me to being on the set the in, almost the entire time, the entire shoot. 
which I know, we I, did uh, the Carnosaur on this podcast also, and we it was horrible, horrible film, terrible. Yeah, that's what I'm in it. I'm in it. It's horrible. Are you really? Yeah. Are you? Where, yeah, I'm where in are it. you? I am in the scene where these two characters are loading cages of, right. I think, chickens uh, onto a truck. Yes, towards the beginning. And I, I, my line is, I changed it. I said, can, can you give me a hand with, the line was, can you give me a hand with this? And I said, can you give me a hand with this load? Just because I wanted <laughs> right. to say the word load. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it I did worked. it for every take and it's in the movie. <laughs> okay, I'm going to so, have to watch it again. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> So the the uh, filming of uh, uh, Fantastic Four took place in some of the same settings that uh, Carnosaur took place. And I understand that this building was condemned with rats in it and a cat that would chase the rats. Do you have any story about the condemned building, your experience uh, there? I don't. I never saw any rats, but it was pretty ugly. And I did notice because I was on the set for Carnosaur. We did a story about that. Then I was... You know, it's like, oh, they're just recycling the same sets for the Fantastic Four, which was weird. It's like, and they barely repainted it. It's like, I will throw some stuff up there on the wall and this and whatever. You know, he didn't seem to care. What I do remember is, is that um, if I recall correctly, like Roger Corman's famously cheap. I mean, uh -huh. he's famously cheap. And I, I've, I interviewed him once and I got him to pose with a penny. So <laughs> he's holding a penny up to his eye. And we had a photographer take a picture of him holding a penny just to kind of show how cheap he was. And I do recall that when I was working, I was hanging out on the set and whatnot, that someone was let go for buying name brand soda. Like you can't buy like Coke or Pepsi. You had to buy like whatever the low brand, like local grocery store brand of Coca-Cola was like whatever, you know, generic brand snacks like don't get fancy snacks you know so i i thought that was really funny that's like that's, that's how how much he was pinching pennies now we saw the uh documentary doom to prepare our research for the film and in it you talk uh -huh. about how like at first you were very giddy to be on the film i mean you were a fan you know but as time yeah. moved on you started to realize this was going to be a b movie yeah, I mean, I, it was sort of this sad realization, especially when I saw the costumes, right? It's like, here they're in their Fantastic Four costumes, and it's literally felt fours glued onto these spandex. It was literally just spandex where, you know, they're shooting with certain angles to not show how haphazardly those costumes were assembled. The other thing was <clears throat> we did a, a cover photo shoot for Film Threat <clears throat> with all of the four characters, right? The main four. And <clears throat> what I loved was their enthusiasm. The actors, Alex Hyde-White, who actually ended up being in the third Indiana Jones movie, who's an established actor, who now does voice acting. Alex does voice acting for, uh, he, does, he does a lot of voiceover for audiobooks. Great guy, great guy. And Alex Hyde-White, he was just so earnest about this part. He cared uh -huh. so much about it. And looking back on the movie, it's probably the most accurate incarnation, at least to Stanley and Jack Kirby, what they had intended to do with the Fantastic Four. Just in tone felt like, oh, this is like the first hundred issues that Jack Kirby and Stan Lee did of the Fantastic Four, right? Yeah, so, so, So that was great aspect. And the, the earnestness of everyone involved, with the exception of, I think, 
Roger Corman, it was just concerned <laughs> with like, let's just get this done and do it cheap. The thing that was really sad was we did a photo shoot. So we had like all four characters, right? And we put them against the set and I hired this photographer for shooting. And um, this is a story that I told that didn't make it into the documentary, by the way. This is like a bonus feature here. But the actress, I believe her name is Rebecca Staub. Yeah. She yeah. played Sue Storm, Invisible Girl. And this, let's just say that these spandex outfits left nothing to the imagination. <laughs> and there was serious camel toe that had to be touched up to put, you know, to be able to put this photo on the cover of Film Threat. I don't think she was wearing underwear. Okay, so, so post-production, you had to... We had to touch up those photos so as not to be uh, graphic. And, and um, you know, I remember, like, we're, we're shooting this, and I'm looking, I'm going, like, I don't know, is it, this could be a problem. We're going to have to put text over that. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're going to have to cover it up in some way. So... Wow. Yeah. Now, in the plot, Sue makes the outfits. Do you think that excuses their cheapness, right? They're homemade. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it is an excuse to excuse, to, you know, make, make them, you know, and that's actually right out of the comic book, by the way, mm -hmm. which I, which I thought was great. But yeah, I guess you can excuse the cheapness and yeah, she should not have been a seamstress. Yeah, Sue right. Storm <laughs> should be, you know, she should be, you know, a girlfriend who, you know, will just go away. She can just go away when she turns invisible. She can just disappear. <laughs> right? That was Kirby's attention, I'm sure. Perfect. I guess, I guess. I don't know. But I, I, you know, like, look, I was a super fan. And like the fact that, you know, I was living in a time where there was even a Fantastic Four film being made. I mean, look, yeah. you have to think, this was, this was the 90s, right? Like, we're now living in a time, we're now living in a time where we have the luxury of complaining about the latest Disney Plus series when who knew that there'd ever be a Hawkeye show or a Boba Fett show, right? Like, it's like, now there's like so much geek stuff that it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot of crappy geeks, geek stuff now. But back then it was few and far between. It'd be like a couple movies a year, maybe a TV show. So I was ecstatic, like, oh my God. And um, yeah, so so it was, it was for me, like it was like summer camp, you know, because my responsibility was, you know, hey, I'm not making the movie, right? I don't right. like performing. And I was just there as an observer to do a story about it. And they compliment you in the Doom documentary too. Now, I was a big fan of the comic book, uh, yeah, especially, yeah, at the 60s one. And and don't you think things should have been a little bigger, right? Broader shoulders, stockier, thighs, huger. Chris, what, didn't what was the thing costume like in real life? Like, did it look cool? It looked um, decent. Well, it was weird because the actor who played Ben Grimm was taller than the actor who was in the Thing costume. Yeah, yeah. But the Thing costume in real life actually looked pretty good. Like, like the um, Optic Nerve Studios was the studio that that did you know the practical effects on on the film, and they really put their heart and soul in it. I mean, yeah. soul into it. I mean, for them, I mean, sure they didn't make any money. I mean, like I know they were paid, but at the end. I guarantee they didn't really make weren't weren't paid what what you know the time that was put into it, and I think that they looked at on it as like well this is going to be this is for us going to be stuff. like a portfolio piece right like and they really really just put a lot of effort in that costume they tried to make it accurate to the Kirby comics and I, I would say that it's more accurate than the you know other Fantastic Four film that came out later and then the one that came out you know more recently. Um, directed by Josh Trank. I mean, like, 
those are just sort of weird interpretations. Theirs is the most accurate to the comic book. With and the, to the brow. Comic book is, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the brow and everything. Like, they got that right. It, it, it moved, you know, in certain places. And so, you know, it's a lot of it is how you photograph it. But I actually <laughs> thought that was one of the things that worked out really well with it was that costume, the way that that character was portrayed. Now, that guy was Carl Cafalio, and he was a huge stuntman. He went on to so much work and did so much work before it. But he reports that the suit was the hottest thing he's ever worn. Did you see him struggle with it? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. He he had problems with it, right? Like, it was, you know, I mean, you sign up to be a monster in a costume. That's what you're going to be, right? You should know what you're getting into, right? Yeah, you're the thing. Now, they report there was no rehearsal. They just started rolling. There was more like about blocking. Did you see, what, did you have an impression like uh, this is a little rinky dink here? I mean, I think when you look at it on screen, I think it came out okay. I think some of the acting was strong. Yeah, like if it was if it was a movie that was made for television, I think that it would like, oh, this is pretty decent. You know, they, they tried to remain faithful to the comic and faithful to the characters as they were you know portrayed in the comic book i'm fearful that this they keep talking about a new fantastic four movie i think i think based on sort of the direction that marvel's going i think it'll be pretty awful uh, mm-hmm. i really don't have a lot of faith in it but this is this was but if this were a movie to be released in theaters i think it would be kind of lackluster i mean you know johnny storm doesn't really even turn into fully the human torch until the very oh, the, end of the movie right one sort of last shot that was very early digital like before digital effects were really a thing, right? I like think it looked okay. It was fine for the time. There just wasn't enough of it. And, and I think they knew that you could tell from the script that it was kind of anemic. Like they were writing around having to do special effects. Right. So um, that was sort of a, that was a red flag right there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, also um, I heard that Stan Lee was on the set. Did you meet him? What was his yes. attitude like? Was he, Yes, I, he, I mean Stan is. I mean, you know, if there's something going on, Stan Lee's gonna gonna be there and be a part of it. So yeah, he was on the set, but it was more just a glad hand, and yeah. I think that gave people confidence too. Yeah, because like it was you know, an endorsement. Yeah, it was definitely an endorsement, and I'm sure that Stan knew about the rights situation. That it was really about this German company holding on to the rights. Uh, you know, so so what can you say? But but you know that was this is pre like Marvel being Marvel, right? This yeah. is Stan Lee just like trying to get something going. I think Blade was really the first breakout of a Marvel character that was put on screen that was successful. I mean, there were there were you know there were television attempts that were yeah. pretty decent. There like was the Captain Hulk show. America on a bike, right? On a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Oh, no, the Captain America movie. Don't remind me. But then there was also like. The television series, there was um, Spider-Man. You know, there was the Bill Bixby Hulk show yeah. with Frigo. Yeah. That was fun. It wasn't like you know, it wasn't the Hulk that we have now for Marvel, right? But it was, hey, it was it was a tragic, fun sort of you know, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde story, right? And then there was the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man show, right, in the seventies, which Nicholas Hammond, by the way, has a cameo at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, oh, he's hey. in it. Everyone talks about, oh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. Hey, I noticed Nicholas Hammond was <laughs> in it. So Nicholas Hammond is in the in at the very end of Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, uh, 
you, you see they're in they're in the diner and you know Peter Parker goes to visit MJ and observes MJ talking to a patron at the donut shop and that's Nicholas Hammond. Gotcha. No Nic- kidding. Nicholas Hammond also played the director who directed um uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. Now we so, Quentin Tarantino put him in there and he plays the director who directs the Western and he's kind of trying to coach, you know, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. That's kind of so. neat. neat. So, so uh, there was a uh, two part Spider-Man, uh, uh, you know, on the television show that they stuck together and, and released in Europe as a as a feature. Yeah, uh, and we it. saw that on this show. That was a lot of fun. You know, wow. Yeah, cheap. it was good. Now, was- I believe that Roger Corman had every intention to release this film. And it wasn't until he got the phone call from Avi Arad, the Marvel guy. That was the first second that he said, okay, we're not releasing this, right? Do do you agree? Yeah, I think that I don't know that their intention was ever to release it. I think their intention was to shoot it. And and that was it. I mean, obviously I got a bootleg copy of it years later, but I also did a thing where we, um, we took, the cast of the Fantastic Four, like all four of them, did a signing at the Film Threat booth in at San Diego Comic Con, and it flooded the aisles. I think we sold like two thousand issues of that comic. A lot of people had already haven't had an issue of it, and they signed every single one. That's and cool. uh, the cast was great. I th- the year later, that Comic Con did a rule like we have to have an autograph area. You can't have people clogging up the you eyes. Guys did that? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's one. No. Anyway, so that was that was like a delight to like have them all there. And th- what was weird was just how enthusiastic those those main actors were. You know, I saw that in that documentary that the enthusiasm of the crew, like they did everything. They promoted the hell out of that movie at every convention. They were the voice of that movie, and you know, a fan on their own dime. Yeah, on their own dime. And like a fan like myself would get excited because there really is such a thing and there's such enthusiasm to it. I mean, I was excited, you know, like I like I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would, you know, there'd be a Fantastic Four movie made. Like, (laughs) what the hell? Like, that's crazy. I remember reading the comics, uh, you know, at 11 years old, 10 years old, thinking they should make these into movies. You know, why aren't they doing that? You know, they had the cartoon show. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, there was the animated Fantastic Four cartoon. There were two of them, one in the 60s, which used the Human Torch. And then another one that came later, yeah. I think it was in the late 70s, right. where they had Herbie the Robot because they were afraid kids were going to light themselves on fire to be oh. a Human Torch, which I guarantee you Marvel is going to address that in some way. Like they're trying to figure out how do we do the Fantastic Four and not like have kids light themselves Wait, on fire. Mom. And then how do you make it practical like okay if he ignited himself on fire and was in the kitchen that i'm in right now that would probably destroy and melt the kitchen he could you know what i mean like yes there's just sort of practical real world things okay if you're gonna have these characters now exist in the real world how do they how does it work now did film threat go on to do an article to cover the fact that fantastic four would not be released did you follow up well, the, the, we never did because we could we could never get any answers, right? Uh-huh. You know, we did that cover story, and I remember um, uh, I, I remember Tony Timpone from Fangoria magazine 
called me out of the blue and said, ah, you really scooped this on that one. Because I'd been doing stories where because I was in Hollywood, I could just go to the sets of these movies and we covered Carnosaur and, you know, we just were getting access to like low budget indie movies, which is kind of film threats, bread and butter. I mean, we cover independent film, right? So, I mean, Roger Corman is an independent filmmaker. Yeah. And they but, went to Troma, too, uh, at first. Troma said no, right? I mean, the documentary taught me that. Right, right. So, so uh, you know, but we didn't know. I mean, we just did the story, and I wanted to be very comprehensive. I grew up reading Cinefantastique magazine and Starlog and, and uh, you know, Fangoria. And, and I read all those magazines as a kid. I was, I was a magazine junkie, <laughs> at a, at, you know, at the time at, in that era. And I think... At one point, I had 50 magazine subscriptions. This is before yeah. the internet. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Before That's the internet. Right. And just so people who may not know, magazines are like the internet, but on really thin slices of wood. And yeah. you can read them. <laughs> That's a good way to well, say you, it. You know, this podcast That's exists. Exact for, yeah. We, we we're doing this podcast because I used to read Psychotronic yeah. Video all the time. Yeah, and I love that magazine. Video. Yeah, I love it. And I, I would say, oh, my that God. magazine. That I, I, and then just like... There were so many great ones at the time, and I just wanted to be film threat. Sort of had its own niche, which was indie film, right? That was our that was what we focused on, and sometimes that crossed over into genre stuff. So um, certainly, a lot of you know low budget underground films were horror, sci fi, etc. So so yeah, I you know like I just think that there was never a final word, right? Like they said, you know, oh, it's on hold or it's this or whatever, and then. You know, it just sort of got forgotten. It, mm -hmm. it became like a lost film. Yeah. yeah. Now, Mike used to read these magazines, but he couldn't go see the film. He was young. He's not going down to the Ziegfeld Theater in Manhattan. So that's why right. we have this show today, because they're all on YouTube now. They're all on YouTube. Everything I read in Psychotronic, oh, wow. everything I read in my film books. And I had to take the really? film books. Yeah, well, because, you know, Fantastic Four, I read about it in Film Threat. I've, I've, you know, and that was it. So I just wow. had a base... So thanks to YouTube, the great yeah. equalizer, I can just finally watch it. And then Wow, that's great. Yeah. Now what was George Gaines doing on set? I mean, we're talking Punky Brewster, we're talking uh Police Academy. Did they know they had a star here? Why didn't yeah, they? Yeah, he was the biggest them? name. Oh, uh I don't know that I don't know. <laughs> were you there to see George Gaines? No, I'm not sure if I met met him on set, and I probably would not know. I mean, I wasn't like even at the time, like and I don't, I tend to not watch mainstream television of any kind. Like, uh, you know, people tell me constantly about the Big Bang Theory yeah. and stuff. And like, I hate, I, I think I've watched that show and I, I'm not, not a fan. So when it comes to like mainstream anything, I'm pretty blissfully unaware. So I wouldn't <laughs> have even known who he was anyways, because I've never seen an episode of Punky Brewster. Were you there the day that they shot the classroom scene, which in, in the beginning, when he's sitting next to Ben Grimm? Um, I don't think I was there. Okay, that. okay, because that was his big moment. That was his know? big moment. Yeah, yeah. I just think they should have used him. He was a big star. He could have been the Alfred the Butler to them or something. I don't know. They should have squeezed it in. Yeah. Okay, so, Chris, now, everyone at home, is poised to watch this film at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. They're all going to press play together. So why don't you go ahead and give us that celebrity countdown? Wait, wait, really? How, what yeah. am I counting down from? Three. Three. Okay, Three, two, one, right. go. But it's got to be paced. 
And so we, then we everyone, should, why don't we go from four, three, two, one? Because of Fantastic Four? Yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay. All right. So we're gonna watch we're gonna watch the Fantastic Four, the classic Roger Corman movie. And here we go. We're gonna count down from four, three, two, one, play. All right, very excited. Thank you for that celebrity comedian countdown. Whoever the celebrity New Horizons, that of course is. Right. Uh, We're about to watch Munchies, right? We'd have watched a few New Horizon videos, straight to video. Uh, this wasn't even straight to video. No, straight it wasn't bootleg. released at all. You see how this, they, whoever put this up here for us, stuck, snuck in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in 1994, there was no such thing. If you don't know anything about this movie and you see that in the beginning, you're all right, ready to go, right? All right, yeah. Surprise. Hey, man, I watched, I watched 26 movies to get one storyline. I missed the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe movie. You got to watch it. Well, this is some trippy special effects already. Uh, do you hear the music? Should I? Well, I guess so. I mean, the people who wrote the music spent $6,000 of their own money to hire an orchestra. And we learned that from the documentary about this film. We should mention the documentary is, is almost as fun as the movie. It's called um, Doomed. Doomed. Which is the true story of this film where all the actors you see here in the opening credits, uh, Rebecca Stab takes a stab at it. Uh, <laughs> stab. <laughs> Michael Bailey Smith took a Smith at it. <laughs> he did. He, he, uh, oh, oh, he was triggered. Trigger. Yeah, he was that triggered. Means. Ian Trigger. So, um, yeah, it's okay. It's just a documentary about how this film didn't get released, you know, and we'll talk all about it, you know, and you've seen it, and so have I. I have. I, I have not seen it recently. I forgot George Gaines is in it, but. Yeah, no, George Gaines is from Police Academy movies. At least that's how. Yeah. He, Know him and love him. Oh, and, oh, oh, uh, and uh, Pucky Brewster's father, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, and, and 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 the guy from Victor Victoria. Okay, uh, yeah, Pucky. Oh, do, do go on, do go on. He was Henry Warnamount in Punky Brewster. He was command Commandant Eric Lassard in Police Academy, and he retired from acting at the age of eighty-six. It was two thousand three. Um, and he passed away. He was old when he passed away. Yeah, no, you know, he spoke many languages. He, he spoke Russian. Seven languages. Mm -hmm. That's right. He he was actually born in in a country that I didn't write it down because I didn't think we would be focusing on this guy. Oh. He was born in a country in Eastern Europe that was part under the Soviet Union at the time. Why would we focus our, ourselves on Punky Brewster's father? He's like the only star in this movie. Yeah, he's the only one. That's right. Uh, there's the director. God bless. Oli. Oli. Oli was a music video director, and this was a big, big deal for him uh, because he was going to – oh, there he is, George Gaines. George Gaines up front. Get the star up front like Bruce Willis. And then the last three minutes he shows up. Yeah. No, except he's going away even from this, right? Oh, he's done after this. Bring me Tackleberry. <laughs> punky. Oh, Punky. 
Oh, punky. All this scene is showing us is Reed Richards is really smart, and he's friends with Ben Grimm, who wouldn't be in the same class with him. He doesn't have his brains at all. So you're talking about Ben Grimm from the Fantastic Four, that big do doofus from Yancey Street or whatever, a Clancy Street? or Well, that was the gang that used to teach Oh, 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 yeah. He had a lot of troubles, that Ben Grimm. Yeah. He's, like, he's literally a monster. Oh, he was very grim, and he was literally a monster. Now, what we're learning now is Colossus is coming. Colossus is coming. Now, nothing goes faster than the speed of light except for Colossus, which is a comet-like energy source. It is radioactive, and every 10 years it passes Earth. Okay. Uh -huh. But um, it's going to be the closest that it's ever been to Earth tonight. So we, Colossus is like a comet or something? Like a yeah, meteor? Yeah, ball of energy. It's it nothing to do with Galactus. Right. It has nothing to do with Galactus. All right. Colossus. And it is, it is not a comet. It's like energy, like a ball of energy. And it's all whammy-jammy radioactive. And it's zapping in the insides and stuff, you know. And they, there's Victor Von Doom yeah. on the left talking uh -huh. with Reed Richards about their plans tonight to harness the energy from Colossus. Oh, okay. I was going to go on a date with Sue Storm, Richard, but I'll, I'll be glad to do your project tonight. What could <laughs> go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Wait till you meet Sue Storm. She's just a little girl, and you're going to be like, this is creepy. Well, is he a college student? Nope, she's a little girl. She's like nine. Or maybe she's like 12. She's got to be like 12 or 14. You'll see. How old is her brother, Johnny Storm? Like seven or eight from the looks of him. Wait a minute. They have well, kids. I mean, this, they... Is, this is the... Or okay, see these two goofs? Yeah. They're like goons for Victor already. Like Victor is already like a monarch back home. Right, that's right. So... For, it's kind of weird. We don't know. Oh, there she is. There she is. Storm. I can't see Stu Storm. Oh, there she is. She's invisible. <laughs> She's an invisible Ooh. woman. Oh, there's Johnny. Hothead. He's a hothead. Oh, he's playing that video game that looks like a cartoon. Right. The really real, right? Yeah. Look at look at it's drawn. It's a drawn cartoon. They're getting epilepsy. I'm getting epilepsy. <laughs> So that's Ben Grimm, and I guess he's friends with Johnny and uh, Sue. Oh, he likes to hang out with the seven, eight-year-old boy? I guess, yes. <clears throat> oh, but it's her boarding house, so I guess he's he's a he lives there. Yeah. And here's Reed Richards, and Sue has a crush on Reed Richards. Oh, he's dreamy. They weren't married in the 60s, right? They got married later? No, they were married in the 60s. Look at the kiss. Right? She goes, oh, my. she touches her cheek. She's got a little girl crush on him. Oh. But they're married, right? <laughs> Not <I don't> yet. <laughs> oh, so she's going to be like, sure, Victor, I would love to go on a date. And then Reed's like, oh. Reed would be like, that is inappropriate. That's uh -huh. a little girl. Victor Von Doom. Said, like, he's dreamy. And then Johnny goes, you're gross. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> Why did I get the girl? How come everything goes wrong for a guy named Von Doom? <laughs> Do you think the Fantastic Four is interesting? Okay, so um, 
when I was 10, 11 years old, um, I would collect comic books. And yeah, I love the Fantastic Four. I had them all. Jack Kirby, he was really, his art brought it to life. You were, it felt like you were watching a movie as you read the comics. Right. Yeah. Well, everything's so square and weird and misshaped. Right. Yeah. It's all, it's stylized and he, you know, he's got a theme going on. He's sharp edges and creases, you know, he, he does a lot of shading. It's jagged and, you know, like yeah. he would extend the finger out in the drawings and the knuckles would be all like, like it was a skeleton almost. Well, he was always fun, like in outer space, his cartoons would always have like just weird things in the background and foreground and given a chance to do a page, two page spread or one page spread and stuff's kind of all out there. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. But the idea of this family just being superheroes. Yeah, well, they're not a family. Well, I guess you've got a husband, you've got spouses and a right. brother and then a good friend. They certainly right. become a family. That's right. Ben Grimm is not related. Here's Colossus. It's the Lazarium, right? Right. Can you imagine, like, a ball of energy is passing, and it's like a lightning Okay, that's the thing. They're going to suck it up, and they're going to get the whammy jammy. You'll see. Oh, so so they're already planning to harvest this. Yeah, that's right, because it's coming tonight, and it's the closest they'll ever be to Earth. Only comes around once every 10 years. Right, they can come back in another 10 years. Oh, yeah, but they don't want to. It's here. They've got the equipment. They got the tools. They got the power. They're going to so this, this movie reminds me a lot like My Science Project with does, uh, Dennis Hopper, who had like balls of energy and also electrical devices like this. Don't remember. I do remember that film. Do you like Parker? What was it? Oh, Parker wait a Fisher? second. I was thinking, oh, I was thinking of a different one. You mean the one we saw? Yeah, with Fisher show. Stevens. Yeah. Now, look, Fisher Stevens, what's happening uh, is it's, it, it, their calculations weren't right, and it's too hot. They can't harness the energy. It's more like it's, like, imagine if you wanted to capture electricity, but instead it, like, heats up your whole, you know, you, you don't have the capacitors for it. So to get in the whammy jammy. Now, Reed is like, Let's get out of here. But Doom is like, I will not fail. And so he gets bazapped. See? Right. Are they not going into outer space and get hit by gamma rays and, and come back all weird? That's, it's, well, that's coming. Oh, all right. So what's happening here on Earth? Like, Doom gets hurt first? Yeah, they're grad students. They tried to harness Colossus energy. Doom was not being smart about it. Now, look, Ben Grimm just pushed him out of right. the yeah, yeah. jammy. It was just great because the poor animators had to like, draw in the, the lightning <laughs> 24 frames a second. Look at his hair. Oh, he must be injured. Yeah. Well, they couldn't afford hairspray by that point. Yeah, not on this budget. It was either $1 million or $1.5 million. Well, I think that um, uh, Constantini film, okay, Brend Eckhart, I'll say his name right in a minute. Constantini okay. film, like said, I'll give you $750,000. Corman said he would put in $750,000. So that's a million and a half. But then other times <clears throat> in the Doom documentary on the internet, it says that the budget was $1 million. 
So that's it. Either the budget is <clears throat> one million or one and a half. Now look, this is Doom's henchman dressed up as a doctor saying, Victor's dead. Really? <clears throat> the long-lived doctor. Right. Now, look at the, the shifty eyes when they get on the elevator. The director did that so that we know that something's up. Right. Oh, yeah, this is not your ordinary elevator ride. <laughs> Here it comes now. Look, they look right. at each other. Uh-huh. We fooled uh -huh. them. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's the comedy duo of Headspin and Doctor. <laughs> there That's is some of that on, on in here. There's a character called the jewel man, Jeweler. He was supposed to be the Mole Man, because that was a Fantastic Four. Sure, he was in the first issue of Fantastic Four. Maybe you're right. I, th I think you're right about that. Remember there was like some kind of monster breaking out of the sidewalk? and that Right. Yeah. On the cover, yeah. Yeah. I don't like know if it was the first one, because the first one was the origin story, but but you might be right. Okay, now they're like, we must save the monarch. Now, why are they concealing his death? Why aren't they using the real doctors to help him? This it doesn't make sense in the real world why they would why would they want Reed Richards to think he's dead? Why? Ten years later. Ten, Ten years later. The Baxter building. Oh yeah, right. Wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. How did that Baxter building come? Whatever, 10 years later. 10 years later, they're looking at a rocket to go into outer space. And Reed Richards, who's graying, now he's graying. Sure, he's got to get that, that classic Reed Richards look. He's talking to Ben Grimm going, you promised to be the pilot if I ever got this whammy jammy machine in the air. Do you think that that Pixar movie ripped off Fantastic Four? The Incredibles? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> But they're a family, and there's four of them, and they're superheroes. That's mom, dad, and two kids. That's not what we got here. Besides, they just ripped off comic books. Right. But you, do you know the story that DC created their own Fantastic Four called the oh. Terrifics? They figured, like, because Fantastic Four, for some reason, like, they just stopped making – it, it was, wasn't their property, right? It was a Fox property. It was Sony. And uh, it was Fox, I think. And Fox was making these movies, or whoever was making these movies, Sony or what have you. It wasn't Marvel, Disney. Mm -hmm. And what I always heard was that the Marvel comics just didn't even bother with Fantastic Four because they weren't making money off of the movies or anything like that. So the actual comic wasn't around for a bit. It's back. There's a very elaborate storyline with uh, uh, Reed and Susan's kids, uh, uh -huh. Valeria and uh, Franklin. And Franklin's like a super genius who becomes the next watcher. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Boy, he, he gave birth to something that was a kid who was going to go places. Yeah, right, right, right. But I always feel bad watching these uh, Marvel Disney movies where uh, the smartest scientist is re is no Tony Stark. And the, the richest scientist is, well, the wasp guy. But you know what I mean? Like they never... Uh, Reed Richards. Reed Richards has the money and the technology. Reed Richards right. should be building the Spider-Man suit. It's Reed Richards. Instead so of um, Tony Stark. Tony Stark, right, yeah. yeah. Well, that would have been a much, much better... Uh, that would have made a lot more sense, and they wouldn't have had to... I don't know, they wrecked up Spider-Man's... Okay, wait, I gotta stop. Look, okay. this is her, now she's not 14. Okay, I guess she's 24 now. Right, 10 years later. 
So that would make him, let's see, if he's a grad student, he had to be over 22. He's in his 30s. Yeah, he's like 36 or something to her 24. So he, okay, this makes no sense again in the real world. Ben Grimm is like, if I'm going to pilot. No, he doesn't even say that. They just show up at their house to get these two kids to be their team. They're in the rocket ship. Yeah, why not? Well, he says they're not astrophysicists. And then Ben Grimm says they know more about this project than anyone alive. But don't you think it's a big coincidence that the monarch who gets his face defigured and becomes Dr. Doom happens to be the best friend of the guy who started Fantastic Four? I mean, all oh, this is crap. Sounds like an origin story to me. Yeah, how about this? If one thing happens somewhere, one thing happens somewhere else, and maybe they meet. It's What a coincidence. It's like, wow, your best friend is Lex Luthor? <laughs> what a coincidence. He's this trying looks, to stop you. This looks like Men in Black, I think. Men in White. The building, the building. Oh, the building. Now, about to meet the mole, who is not the mole. He's the jeweler. Okay. Oh, is he popping his head? Yes, he is out of the sewer pipe. He looks like, but the thing is, I think the mole in the films was solitary, right? He didn't have minions, did he? I think he had minions, including that big monster from the cover. Yeah, you know, I get the mole man mixed up with the mole from Mad Magazine, the guy who kind of like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the big nose. nose, that ugly yeah. nose. <clears throat> okay, so Ben Grimm has just clumsily knocked into some lady who's dropped her <clears throat> statue. I see, because it's, what's her name, Allison? His, his love of his life? Great guess. It's Alicia. Alicia. Yeah, you know exactly who it is. So now they're going to meet each other, and then Ben Grimm's going to be like, I'm in love. Now, this is acting. Because she's blind, she's got to feel Ben's face. Now, she got this job. She went to the audition, and there were all these, you know, she was a stage actress, and there were all these, like, beautiful models there. And she's like, I'm the way I'm getting this. And when they had her do a very emotional scene, and she did it, and they're like, wow, you can really act. So she figured out all these models. I mean, they're eye candy. She got the jump. You know, you don't want her to be eye candy. It's it's such a ridiculous thing anyway. Like the the point is like in the seventies, at least she was blind. And that's why she loved the thing because the the thing felt that because she could deformity. Right. Right. But the thing felt it like she, she never really had that issue because she obviously knew she was dating the thing. She could right? feel that she was hugging a rock. Right. It's not like, oh, I can't see your face. I can't tell you're a giant rock fan. Now, look, see the mole? Yes. He's taking a liking to our Alicia. Oh, this is complicated. So much so that he wants her to be his queen. Oh, the jeweler queen, of course. Ridiculous. Of course. That makes no sense. You've talked about this before, how, like, the world is its own little universe. And you were just saying before, oh, it just coincidentally, Dr. Doom gets burned by the, you know, oh, you're Lex Luthor's boyhood friend. Oh, what a coincidence. Here's our goons again 10 years later. They're looking good. They must have some good goon insurance. (laughs) That's right. It could be they're looking good because really it wasn't 10 years later. It was like the next day of filming. This took 25 days to shoot. 
but they never released this movie. That's right. We, you know, anytime you want the history of this movie, we talked about it the first year of our show where we watched it and it's in the documentary, which makes it so fascinating. The story of this movie is the movie is good, but the story is even better, you know, and I have to give credit to the movie that the movie is entertaining on its own, but yeah, without the backstory. Yeah. Now this crystal here, remember I told you like it was too much energy from Colossus and it, right started frying the circuits and gave them, you know, so that's why they got the whammy jammy. Well, now they've got anti-whammy jammy crystal. All the power will go into the crystal and then be distributed out to the machinery and it will have cooled. Colossus will have cooled and they can harness the energy. The old anti-whammy jammy gun. Uh, Crystal, excuse me, crystal. Cry out. Well, they're going to cut it with fentanyl and sell it for toys. <laughs> Look at that big, like, close-up of a stop so- of a right. traffic light. Yeah, Commissioner Gordon called. He wants his bat signal bat. <laughs> and the logo. So this um, bur- burned Eichiger. Do I say it right? Burned Eichiger, right? He went to – he worked for Constantini Films, and he was – a big wig over there and he went to Stan Lee and was like, you know, in 80, what is it? 80. It's not in front of me right now, but it was in the eighties. And he said, we would like to make fantastic four. Now back then there was the Hulk on TV. You know what I mean? There was that Spider-Man, like they weren't making blockbuster movies. We watched, so we, we watched uh, the Spider-Man TV show was repurposed into a theatrically released European movie. Yeah. We watched that version. Uh, Howard the Duck is a famous bad movie. That's always considered the first Marvel movie uh, made. Uh, it's terrible, but it, it's on YouTube, too. Did uh, you already watch it in your past life? Did you uh, already yeah. see it on the show? None of the show we haven't done. My YouTube stopped, Carl. Okay, so I should pause. Yeah, I think there was like a power outage. And, uh... I'm at uh, 2203. Okay, hang on a sec. Yeah, there was just uh, an outage. The light went out and uh, the TV went out. Neighbors don't want to hear this. They can't handle the truth. I have the window open behind me. There was a cat sticking its head in the window. Really? Not your cat? No, my cat. My cat was. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm at 2203. What about you? I'm waiting to. I'm rebooting up my machine. Oh, okay. I'm going to pause. What happened? Oh, and I'll press go. Three, two, okay, 2303. Three, 2203 for those editing at home, Carl. 2203. Three, two, one go. So the collector is coming up to Ben Grimm's girlfriend, who's not his girlfriend yet. Well, the mole man guy, the jeweler. The jeweler. It's so interesting. I like when when superhero movies come up with their own heroes. <laughs> right? They're like, fuck it. Sure, I can do uh Wonder Woman's friend, uh villains, or I'll just come up with my own. What the hell? Yeah, right. right. We're already shooting. (laughs) I mean, they didn't have the rights to this. Just Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom. They didn't have the moment. In 1986, they spent $250,000. 
they gave it to Marvel and got the rights to this. But then it was scheduled to expire at the last second of 1992, December 31. They wouldn't give them an extension because they got some interest now in bigger. So the only way he could keep the rights, Constantini Films, was to start going into production of the movie, okay? Then that they they had, you know, they it didn't expire because they were in production. So, right. so then he called on Troma Films first and had a lot of discussions with them, but Troma didn't want to touch it because the Fantastic Four is beloved and to make a movie of it, it wasn't going to be celebrated, you know. Comic people were going to hate it, he thought. Now, hang on a second. When you say he thought, you're talking about Lloyd Kaufman, head of Trauma Films, on right. the documentary, taking take a deep breath of fresh air before speaking and mm-hmm. sucking all the oxygen out of the room, right? Yeah. All right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, too bad Trauma didn't make a Fantastic Four. I would definitely watch that as well. I probably won't. If it's Trauma, I probably won't be able to make it through it. <laughs> we only saw one trauma film we watched trauma's war right which right. is an all-on assault which by the way boy my sides are still hurting from laughing that hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. mole man has snuck into their ship and he took the real crystal and he gave him the fake one because he because... wants the real one look at him jumping through the lasers Who's he looking at? Doctor Doom is watching him. Yeah, because Doctor Doom was going to take the crystal, right? And then this guy just did it. So he's Doom is like, ha ha! Thank you for doing the job for me. We'll it's just pretty, now get it from you. It's very hard for me to sift through this as a Cool Keith fan and not think of Cool Keith's Doctor Doom's album, which just has four O's in it or like five O's. Doctor Doom, including the classic song, Doctor Doom is in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Doom is in the room. Is that what was that gloom? No, okay, here we are. Wow, they must have spent their entire budget on this. Right, on buying the stock footage from NASA. Right. Good news, I got stock footage from NASA. Bad news is the Space Shuttle Challenger. Good night, people. Now, Corman was the next one he called, or maybe they talked at the same time. I don't know. Corman was like, hell yeah, we'll do it. A million dollars? No problem. No problem. I really think that Corman and... uh, Carpalipolo. Burned Really were going to release this thing. They just had to make it, you know. I kind of don't know what's in... Burned. Burned's mind, you know. But Corman was going to release it. It was going to be a film that he thought was going to go to theaters. But in actuality, they just needed something in production so legally they can keep the rights to Fantastic Four. Yeah, you see this burned... He's the same guy who made the real ones, Mike. Oh, really? Yeah. So he succeeded. He was able to hold on to the... uh, Yeah, and he did Fantastic Four, and he did The Rise of the Silver Surfer. Right, which, to be credited to you, are both terrible movies. This is so much better. 
Well, I don't know that this is better. This is old-fashioned corny. Go, let's go to space now, with the special look, effects. Well, that was the comic book. Now, look, the crystal is bullshit. So they're going to, again, get the whammy jammy, just like Victor. How did the jeweler find a gem that looked exactly like the gem? <laughs> and if he found it, why couldn't he find the, uh, the real gem, the other half of the other uh, real? I don't know. This is what I would say. It doesn't make sense in the real world. But since you said it, I have the urge to go, Hey, it's a movie. You gotta forgive it a couple. No, you're right. It's bullshit. Look, there's the whammy jammy in action. See those colors? It's like right. 1964, 65. Oh, this is before 2001 came out in 68. <laughs> yeah, right. Look at this. That's another like 60 psychedelia. Like the whammy jammy's really fucking with them. Now, was it the same gamma rays that the Hulk got on Earth? Well, yeah, in space, it was gamma rays in the comic book. Right. And gamma rays, pretty much everything. You know, the spider, the spider on Spider-Man was just radioactive, okay? It was, it was a gamma rays? No, it wasn't a gamma <laughs> But if Doc Bruce Banner, belted by gamma rays, turns right. into the Hulk. What about the Fantastic Four theme yep. song? Look at that. They're dead. Fantastic hey. Four died. And Doom's going, ah! Oh, <laughs> How can he watch that? Where is he watching that? Because from his own room. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. And he would have a camera inside of Reed Richards' spaceship and see the mole guy. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. He had a satellite follow the spaceship, so the satellite fed the video yep. to Doom's closed-circuit television set right in the throne room. Which was not at the same angle as the throne. It was very obnoxious watching the TV because you had it like turned like this. Yeah. It was very uncomfortable. There was no TV in front of him when you see him on the throne. No, it's, it's on the side. So you have to actually sit like this on the throne and or, oh. or, or get out of there. Like, what's the point of having a throne if it's not facing the TV? <laughs> I'm the king of the castle, Alice. I'm the king. Turn my throne towards the TV, young lady. Ralph. We can only fit the flat of TV set on this side of the of our apartment, Ralph. The other side is the fire escape. Oh, Norton, why'd you give me this widescreen TV? <laughs> I wanted one right on the right on the dresser here in the kitchen. You know, the dresser wrong. right here in the kitchen. You walk in the house and there's a dresser. It's outrageous. Now you know that I know that you know that a TV set could fit right on the dresser. I liked my vacuum tube. Chubby, black and white TV. Hello. Okay, so they've crashed, right? But look at the ship. It's all fucked up. But they're perfectly fine. Thanks. His hair is even better. I think they got a haircut for the, for the accident. It looks like he's, his hair makes him look like he already burst into flames. <laughs> <laughs> all right, he's Johnny Storm. Now, come on, like. These superheroes are ridiculous. What are you going to do? Walk around the streets of New York on fire? Flame on! Like, what? All of Manhattan is covered with spider webs and then flames. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go. It's a cross town. No problem. Now, in one of the Avengers movies, it, like, talks about that, like, how innocent people get killed and, you know, because sure. the Avengers roll into town and fucking fight some robot and everybody, you know. Oh, Ultron fucked up some fictitious country, right? Yep, yep. yep. Where one is from? Into space. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Uh, Ultron. 
Ultron. There was a whole civil war based on that. But nothing to do with this movie. Uh, absolutely not. Okay, so now it's like Sue is invisible. And they're Whoa. like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Oh, there's this. Uh, ha ha, I'm the better sibling. <laughs> So this woman was the con costume designer, or is it a man? And the name is Raviv Richards. Isn't that funny? Like, it's, yeah. it's not Reed Richards. Okay, so in 93, he went to a place called Golden Apple Comics, a store on Melrose right. Avenue. Right down the street. And he went to buy Fantastic Four comic books for research. And I don't know, he's buying them and talking or whatever. And so he's he explained that he was the costume designer for this new thing. He's got to do the research. So like they all swarmed him, and we're like, are you going to do justice to this? He goes, well, that's why I'm buying the comics. Yeah. I'm reading up on it. I need a Reeve Richards. Do you have any Marvel comics? My good sir. Marvel. I'm looking for, Comics of the detective sort. Would you please? I'm making a movie based on the Fantastic Four. What's your budget? Oh, money is an object. <laughs> yeah, money's no yeah. object. No, money is an object. Okay, so they're kind of stranded here, and they're going to go through a lot of stuff. But I just want to explain something before it happens. An army's going to show up, but you got to know that they're a fake army. They're really Doctor Doom's. I don't know. Did they land in Doomlandia? They didn't land in Doomlandia. They land. I don't know where they landed, but they got found by Doom first. So he pretended the military found. Well, because I mean, if if Jeff Bezos sent the rocket out in space, <laughs> you know the police will be there when it crashes. <laughs> they got it in for him. Fantastic Four is such a terrible live action idea. You got a man on fire. Then you got a guy who looks like I took my crayons when I was six and I drew a big rock monster, <laughs> right? Like this movie has no budget. So I'm going to give it a hard pass on whatever the thing's going to look like in this film, right? <laughs> but I've seen the Fantastic Four movie in the sequel. Yeah. Michael Chiklis looks ridiculously mm -hmm. stupid in that green outfit. And then uh, have you seen the last Fantastic Four yeah, movie? Yeah, the Silver Server. No, no, no. After that, there was a, a reboot remake. I'll have to watch it. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> or no, I shouldn't have to watch it. Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah, you definitely want to get the DVD for Netflix on that one. <laughs> well, if I can't stream it anywhere. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, check the dumpster. Have you checked, like, uh, not Redbox, but Dumpster Fire? They might have it. It's terrible. It's really lethargic. It's just boring. And uh -huh. Oh, the only interesting thing in that movie... Well, Michael B. Jordan's in it, and uh, he's Johnny Storm. Oh, and, uh, Michael B. Jordan? I, I mean, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I saw yeah. it. Yeah, you saw it. It didn't suck. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. It didn't suck. Um, way down in Louisiana, close to New What's his name? What's his name? Michael B. Moore. What's his name? Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Way down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans. Up into the woods and the evergreens lived a country boy who never could read so good. Do you know the song? Jordan Michael, B. Jordan. Michael Jordan be good. 
Uh, Johnny B. Good, yes. Jordan uh -huh. B. Good. Let me try that at the open mic. I got to write it. Okay. Hey, well, that's, I wish you best of luck. <laughs> Jordan B. Good. Johnny B. Good. All right. Michael B. Jordan. Okay. So there was this guy at Marvel. His name was Avi something who I just know that's an Israeli name. And he was going to, you know, make the big uh, budget Fantastic Four with Eichinger. And so he was the one who called up Roger Corman and said, look, I will pay you a million dollars. You just stop. Don't release the film. Cut everything off. And so Corman said, okay. <laughs> and explain why I was gonna. I'm gonna make a big budget. I can't have this dirtying the wall, polluting the waters. It would. I would. Do you feel that way if this came out? Uh no. I think it would have been fun to come out. I think this was the time. Look how she's getting so passionate. She's rubbing the clay on her lips. Right. Now she's going to get abducted and stolen by the minions of the Molmad. Is the Molmad has minions? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, headsmen and minions. The jeweler. I don't know. This jeweler, it's unimpressive as credits. He's a 